Welcome to B-Side, a curious new slice of the Strange South podcast. Think of it as our after-hours storytelling session. We're here to delve deeper into our main episode mysteries, ponder theories, and unveil new aspects we might have missed. But we'll also share intriguing short tales and strange events that didn't quite fit into our regular lineup. And we want to hear from you. Share your spine-tingling stories and regional lore with us. It's time to turn the record over to B-Side, where the tales are shorter, the nights are longer, and the South gets even stranger. Ooh, I kind of like that last part. Mm-hmm. That last part's fun. Yeah, I like that. Fun. Welcome to the B-Side. Welcome to the B-Side. Oh, Episode oh 136B. Yes. This is the back of the mullet time. <laughs> <laughs> it's the party in the back. It's the party in the back. Where we don't care. We chew our zaps right mm. on air. Yum, 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 yum. I'm going to stop, really. Oh, dude, I should have I gotten some. <laughs> We've got... You know, here, you don't get an extra drink for this one because we're still drunk in the last one. <laughs> Wait, what? Because <laughs> right. this is the B-side. We're still drinking the GMGT, our GMGT. second one. Yes. So that's how we usually do it. We're right. drinking the not the maggot. So when, yeah, <laughs> not the MGGT. <laughs> usually, um, when I think about a recipe, I do enough to have six drinks. So mm-hmm. I'm doing math. Which kids do math? <laughs> Who would have thought, with an English degree and psychology degree, that I needed so much math? But what, look what I'm always doing: converting. So much maths. Multiplying, so many maths. Dividing. Using Google to convert teaspoons into mm-hmm. ounces. <laughs> yes. <laughs> using AI to yeah. Right. Um, Ooh, maybe I should get AI to make a drink recipe. Ooh. Oh my god! That let's, let's write that, that down. Write that down for sure. You want to see. So since we're, while you're writing, I'm going to start the little thing. I'm going to email myself. Patrice. Sorry. I know we're kind of all over the place here, but I wanted to, um, I didn't want to interrupt you during the mermaid tale episode um, 136, because this is a question I've always had. And I was like, oh, just fucking Google it. And then Mm -hmm. we'll talk about it during the B-side. And so where did Cape Fear get its name? Do y'all know? I don't. I neither. Because it's kind of a weird... Robert De Niro. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. It's like, is it like Bob Fear did like named after like some guy? That's kind of what I, I assume. I always think of right? uh, The Simpsons when I think of Cape Fear because they did that oh, episode. They did. With, uh, freak show Bob. Side side show oh, Bob, they did. Oh, he was my crazy. God. It was actually really good. It was a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the name comes from the 1585 expedition of Sir Richard Grenville. Sorry, His name's not fear. 1585, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like real early. Sorry. <laughs> Sailing to Roanoke Island, his ship became um, embayed behind the Cape. I don't know what embayed means, but obviously... Does that mean like stuck, washed up or maybe? shored? Yeah, shored? Yeah. It's shored. shored. Yeah. Uh, some of the crew were afraid they would wreck, giving rise to the name Cape Fear. It is the fifth oh. oldest surviving English place name in the U.S. Interesting. I had no idea. I didn't either. No, we know. That's just a bad omen. Yeah. That's a bad. And he was on his way to Roanoke. Yeah. That's worse. That's worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's bad juju there. That yeah. That was bad juju. Mm. All right. Um, so I didn't Roanoke. have I didn't have a lot more about mermaids, but I did have one thing that I came across that I really had to share with you, and it's called the Jenny Hanover. 
So, you know, the uh, P.T. Barnum mermaid, I didn't mention it, but we've talked about it, I think, in your circus episode before. Um, I don't remember. So P.T. Barnum had famously, you know, he everything he had was like fake, right? Like he did have some people who were actually like in his quote unquote freak shows who had the deformities like he had little people yes he had had people with webbed hands and you know stuff like that right but he had he also had a lot of things that were like pretend and one of the things that he had like they just sewed costumes on or something yeah and i think it was the uh, was it the tahiti mermaid or the fiji mermaid fiji mermaid and it he basically so he had this thing on display pt barnum for a long time that or for some some amount of time that was this wee mermaid looking critter it was dead it was supposed to be a carcass or whatever it's what it actually it when you look at the picture of it if you guys look it up fiji mermaid it looks like what it actually is which is the torso of a a monkey <laughs> sewn to the back so it was of a like fish a skeleton. Mm-hmm. It, it's mummified yeah. it's like a mummy. so okay. it's not a skeleton it's like but oh, I see it. but he basically like sewed the parts together and dried them so I it's like it. he's he calls it a mummified mermaid and it's terrifying. Like, it if you terrifying. think it's an actual mermaid, you would never want to see a mermaid no. in your but life. It's like little, too. Yes, it's because small. then you like you go out into the ocean and you'll be like, ah, mermaid. Kick, kick, kick. Well, it's kind of what I would think that. Mermaid, touch my leg. What happens supposedly in the tales with the mermaids? Like, at first, they're beautiful. They lure the sailors in, the sirens do, and then you get them and they look like this. Yeah. Yeah. Like in Harry Potter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or like the uh, like the ones under the water in Harry Potter, yes, yes. in the Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, so, but that's not the only. That's not the only um, mermaid skeleton that that was created. That wasn't just a manatee. So, in Antwerp in the mid 16th century, such a funny. Word. I know Antwerp. Antwerp. I guess it sounds better in. Uh, it may be in what Belgish? Belgish. <laughs> I think that's what they speak there. <laughs> I think it's Belgish. But do they so, speak French? In, uh, uh, Dutch? Dutch? No. Dutch? German? Dutch? Somebody? We've got I'll tiny computers at our <laughs> fingertips. We don't have to know anything anymore. I know. Just have to find out. Um. So the in uh, Antwerp in the mid sixteenth century. Sailors would take. Um, y- have you ever fed a like a stingray at the aquarium? Have you ever done those it's things? All three languages: French. Oh Dutch, damn! And German. Oh my god, you're right three times in a row. Oh, That's wow. amazing. So good. So good. Um, so have you I've, ever? I haven't fed, okay. but I've touched. You've done that. So done you know. The, like, okay. So in aquariums thing. where they have little touch pools, have you ever fed the the uh, stingrays? I haven't, but I've touched them. They're very smooth and velvety. Mm-hmm. So on top. So if you ever feed them, the way that you have to feed them, they like give you a little thing, and you have to kind of put the thing kind of between your fingers, your the throat. food, oh, no. and you have to hold it down because they have to swim mm. over your hand to pick up the food because their mouth. Is on the bottom. Yeah, mm. it's like flat on the bottom. Uh-huh. And so, if you ever look at the bottom of a skate or a ray, it's this like kind of mouth flap that almost looks like a bit of a smile. Uh-huh. And then and there are like uh, cavities right like, there. It's not their eyes. I think I know, it, it may be like, like a nasal passage or some makes sort of it thing. Look like two eyes and a mouth. It looks like two eyes and a mouth, and it's got some gills on either yeah. side. Um, so they're really kind of bizarre looking underneath. Well, sailors realized how bizarre looking they are. They would have the carcasses from like fishing trips or whatever. 
And they started getting into the habit of drying them and kind of carve it. They, they didn't carve them exactly, the carcasses, but they would like um, manipulate them in certain ways. So they would cut the, the, the back end kind of in half and it would create this, this creature. They would varnish it, dry it, and they would end up resembling little, they called them kind of mermaids, but they look like little sea demons. Ooh, they look like ooh. little sea, sea here. Okay, you're gonna. This is gonna blow your mind because they look like they're standing on two legs. They look like aliens with little smiles and faces <gasps> and a tail that comes up to the side oh, that it can hold between its hands. My God, is it not the most bizarre fucking that thing? That is fascinating. So they used to we sell these. I know. Right? <laughs> they used to sell. You guys look Holy these up. Shit. This it's really hard How, to. What do you Google? It for looks that? like it's Jenny Hanover. It's that's the name they had, and they think it was from How some. How do you spell it with a J or G? It's like they, they it's like a British Cockneyed version of some some Antwerpian <laughs> word that they used, but it's J E N N Y H A N I V E R, I think, okay. or H E N H A N N maybe I V E R, but that's what they called them because it was some N I V E R, yeah, Hanover. So it was some like bastardization of some of a native word or a skate that has been modified. By hand, then dried, resulting in a mummified specimen. Mm -hmm. That is fascinating. They're so weird looking. Look at it right here. I it want looks one. Like, um, it looks like a a gremlin in the face. Yeah, it they look like they look gremlin. impish. That's why they called them like sea devils too. And that that would be more <laughs> like accurate to me than mermaid. <laughs> like if if my spouse brought this home from the sea, and I'd be like, I'm fucking never going to the ocean. No, again. ever, never going to the ever. ocean. But they sold them to tourists as like souvenirs. Like oh, I would fucking buy it. I know they look like and it's like so, weird. so yeah, those are and I didn't include because it doesn't actually have a fish's tail because they create legs right. out of the back end of the skate. So it's got two legs, so it's more like a little demon that thing. That is like the most interesting thing I've seen in a long I know, time. I had to show you that. I was like, That's oh awesome. my god, you got to see the, the Jenny 16th, Hanover. It's called Jenny Hanover. Yes. That's and the there, weird name, There are too. reasons why, because they said it was like the English sailors got a hold of it and just took whatever it was. I think they said there was a word for like... Um, Jeune young, young youth of an yeah. youth of Antwerp, yeah. and it became like Jeune this kind of bastardization, Cockney version of it, and they turned it into Jenny Hanover. Mm. But anyway, so that you had to see that y'all look up the Jenny Hanover, Jeune Danvers to Jenny Hanover, mm -hmm. <laughs> like you do, like, like you, you do. would. Mm. But I um beyond that for this very first B side, I actually have a story. Do you oh. have something else to you know? Let's just keep let's going. Just with see you. how it goes. I can save this for the next B side. The reason I have to do this for this episode is because if all goes according to plan, this B side, this first B side, will come out on June second, and that is Catherine Tucker Wyndham's birthday. Oh, Yay! cool. So I knew that I just wanted to share a Catherine Tucker Wyndham story. Wait, does she have a C or a K? Okay. K. I was right. It's KTW. Happy birthday, Catherine Tucker Wyndham. Y'all know how much love I love you. Catherine Tucker Wyndham. She was actually just inducted into the Alabama Writers Hall of Fame two months ago. Oh, oh wow. Awesome. So yeah, so that's pretty awesome. But um, so I'm I'm not going to read anything of hers word for word because I encourage everybody to find her. I mean, uh, first of all, I would encourage you to do everything you can to find audio of her of telling her own stories herself. because mm -hmm. she's so awesome, like nobody else that way. Yeah. Or get her books, you know. And this one is from Thirteen Tennessee Ghosts and Jeffrey. 
Um, but uh, yeah, get her stuff. So I'm just I'm I'm doing it a different way, but it's it's her story 100%. And it's called The Snake Charmer. So um, in Johnson County, Tennessee, near the Tennessee-Kentucky state line, there's this um, kind of outcropping called the Fiddler's Rock. And this story starts with a boy named Martin who was from up that way. And he, when he was little, he was really good hunter. He was a good trapper. He was good with a jackknife. But then his grandpa taught him to play the fiddle. And before long, this kid just became a whiz at the fiddle, and they they started calling her calling him the best fiddler in Johnson County. And he would play for weddings, he would play for funerals, barn raisings, church socials, dances. They made us. They said even the preachers would dance when Martin played the fiddle. Um, and he could play anything. You could just bring out whatever song it was, and he'd just be able to turn it up. So they they said he could make babies stop crying with his playing that he could heal people, he could make them feel better when he played the fiddle. And he got himself a mule that they say was the only singing mule in the mountains because it would bray in time when he played the fiddle while he was riding it. So (laughs) one day, Martin's sitting at the general store and he's playing for what she called the idlers on the porch. Idlers. And his friend uh, Absalom comes up and says, do you reckon that you could charm snakes with that fiddle? And... So it turns out Absalom's son has brought a book home from school that talks about Indian snake charmers. And, you know, from, you know, way back when it was probably some picture in the book of a skinny legged brown skinned man in diapers and a turban is the way he looked at it. And probably with a horn and a basket and a cobra, you know, is probably what was in the in the picture. But he brought the, the, the book and he showed the picture and everybody looks at it. And Martin decides he's going to think on it some. And he thinks on it. And the next day he comes back and he said, I reckon I could try. You know, I don't know what what song he's. I wish I knew what song he was playing, but I, I can give it a shot. So the next morning, Martin gets on his singing mule and he sets out with his fiddle into the stone mountains, goes up a high path and he tethers the mule. And then he finds himself this big flat rock that's shaped like kind of like a footstool near the center of a ledge. And he sits down and he just starts to play. And he starts off with something that's kind of slow and gentle and nothing's really much happening. So he picks it up a little bit and gives it a little tempo and gets a little bit louder. And before long, Martin sees this rattlesnake slide out from under a rock nearby and slither up to him and just stretch side all the way out long. This massive rattlesnake right full length there in front of him on the rock. I don't want that. I know. He says it's a big old thing. But he so Martin's like, I'm not going to tap my toes. I'm not going to move my legs. I'm just going to I'm just going to move my bow arm. And he just moves his arm and his eyes because everywhere he turned, like if he even turned his head, he's afraid something's going to come up, you know, strike him. But he has to keep on darting his eyes back and forth because there's snakes coming out from everywhere. Oh, Oh, God. I would stop that song immediately. (laughs) So all these snakes slither out onto this rock to gather around him and listen to what he's playing. And it's about half hour or so. And his arm is getting real tired. And he's like, I never even thought about how it's going to stop. So he's just like, okay. He just ends the song and he sets his fiddle and his bow down on his lap and he sits stock still. And after a minute or two, one of them just starts going off this way and one of them starts going off that way and one of them starts going off that way. And all of them are gone except for one. And he kind of slowly picks himself up off the rock and he moves and it doesn't move. And he's okay. well, it's asleep. So he takes a forked stick and puts it around his head and pins it down and steps on its head to kill it. (gasps) 
And then after he, he called it too. After he called it, I was like, "This is oh, mean." Why would he do that? Anyway. Because he picked it up and put it in his bag so he could take it home and prove to everybody that he called these snakes out from under the rocks. So he puts it in his bag and he takes it. Guess home. he didn't have his camera phone. He doesn't him. have his camera phone with him. His phone. He's camera singing mule slash. can't go back and get his camera phone. <laughs> but he gets back home. He shows off this big old rattlesnake and they take it to the smokehouse and they skin it and they dry it up and hang it up in their rafters and he tells everybody the whole story. And he kind of figures everybody's thinking, well, this is going to be a one-time thing. He's proven he can do it. But there's just something about it that makes him want to go back and do it again. And everybody in town's like, well, you've got to see if it works this way. And you've got to see if it works this way. And so he starts getting up and going. And he's kind of fascinated and invigorated by the risk of it. So he starts going like three, four times a week out there to charm these snakes. The smokehouse gets to where it is full of snakes just drying from the rafters, hanging every which way everywhere. And one day he thinks, I wonder if this would work if I did it at nighttime. Why? Like it works in the daytime. No. So he takes a singing mule and he heads up the path after dark and he ties it like he always does. And he goes up to Fiddler's Rock. And the next morning, nobody sees Martin. And before long, a traveler is traveling up the mountain path and he sees a mule tied on the slope. And he goes looking for the rider and he finds Martin on the trail on the way back from Fiddler's Rock covered in two dozen snake bites and his fiddles beside him, but his bow is missing. And everybody figures, well, what happened was probably he got careless when he got up there in the dark and he dropped his bow. And instead of being calm and slow and just stopping, he reached down to grab it. And that's all it would have mm-hmm. taken for all of those snakes to just jump in. Ah! And so he died of snake bite. Of course he did. But well, they say, calling snakes, I know, right? Get. That's what you get. You get snake bit. <laughs> but they say that if you're up there in the snowed mountains on um, summer nights, you can hear the music of a fiddle sometimes in the best fiddler in Tennessee playing. They say maybe the best fiddler in the world will never know drifting on the wind in the mountains of Tennessee. Mm. And that is the story of Catherine Tucker Wyndham's story of the snake charmer. Oh, the wow. snake charmer. Which is one I don't think I'd it seen before. It has like a feel of devil went down to Georgia. We got a fiddle involved. Yeah, there's one. a fiddle. And then you're calling something that's kind of, but you're supposed to like get them away, not bring them to you. I know. I don't know why you would want to bring them to you. It's an it's interesting the way that that one goes. Because I figured if he was going to be a snake charmer, he would take all the snakes well, somewhere and, and like make like, them go in the river well, or something. You know, and yeah. isn't it like, like Pied Piper? The Pied Piper and yes. like the idea of. St. Patrick, uh-huh. getting rid of the snakes, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is true. There's no snakes in Ireland. Is it because it's an island? It's something to do with that, but because it, it's cold and it was, I don't know. There's but, Are there but, snakes in Antarctica? I don't know. I don't but know I can either. tell you there's not any in Ireland. I, and then, because somebody had said that to me, they were like, oh, go to Ireland, unless you won't have to worry about snakes. And I was like, oh, why, why are you saying that? They were I was like, like well, that's a weird thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> They were like, because St. Patrick, it was around St. Patrick's Day. What about mosquitoes? Oh, there's tons in uh, in Scotland, I know. Mm. Well, they're called midges. Did you find out whether midges and mosquitoes are the same? And apparently there are, there's one snake in Scotland. Oh. In the UK. It's called it's an, an adder. Ass. Oh, or an adder. Yeah. An adder. Like black adder. A-D-D-E-R. Uh, black adder. Uh, and uh, it's apparently venomous. Um, oh, great. I know. So I don't know. Let's see what is a midge versus mosquito. Yeah. See, when you said midge, I was like, I don't know. I feel like some, I feel like Randy's dad like fished with something that he called a midge. But I thought it was like the nymph of a dragonfly or something. I don't know what that 
That's mm-hmm. a different name, though, I think. This just says the wings of midges are shorter than their body, while mosquito wings are larger. Oh, midges, so they're not the same. Midges have non-functional mouth parts, while mosquitoes have a long needle-like projection. For midges well, um, they don't drink. large swarms. They bite you, though. Oh. I was going to say, like, how do they bite you with non-functional mouth parts? Um, <laughs> I have non-functional see. mouth parts. <laughs> I know. We'll um, figure it out. I'll I'll figure it out. Yeah, I gotta know because I need to get spray. Apparently, <laughs> mid, mid spray. spray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, it's called smidge. Wait, do you have- <laughs> <laughs> There's some smidge. It's There's called- some smidge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have anything else today? No, I mean I've got stuff, but I'm gonna save it for the next. You're gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. I think this was a great first B side. B side. Everybody enjoyed, and we will talk to you later. Bye. Happy Bye. birthday, Catherine. Happy birthday, Catherine. I'm going to say it because we got to say our little intro. Oh, shit. We got to have a new intro? She sent it in the text, but I you were asleep. Yeah, you were asleep. You have it on squad. Who what wants to be? Who wants to be personal? Because that's cheesy as shit. Because uh. I didn't write this. Did AI write this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, deep breath. <gasps> Randy! <laughs> <laughs> get ready. Okay, get ready, Randy. Here we go. Don't crunch. Okay. Right. <laughs> no crunch. Welcome to B-Side, a curious She's... storytelling session. Around a virtual campfire. No, she just said she wasn't going to say, say that. that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay because you don't have to say it again take, because take. of the wonder of editing. That's You've right. already said the part that you want and he could just cut that last bit out. Oh, great. Right. So, so you're number two. Do number two. <laughs> I will not <laughs> run now.